welcome to the Red Pill Sports Podcast. Combating woke inks take over sports. Red Pill Sports Podcast. Sports done right. Good morning, good afternoon, good day, whatever it may be for you. Thank you for everybody that's joining us on Facebook Live. Thank you for everybody that's joining us on the uh, Podbean app, the Apple app, the iHeart app, wherever you're joining us. This is Donnie Copeland, your host, and this is the Red Pill Sports Podcast. Man, we are just pumped to have you here. Uh, I'm really pumped because the LSU Tigers uh, claimed the men's baseball championship last night after uh, winning a game that went into the first to the ninth inning, the first game, there was a three-game series between them and Florida. After the first game went into the ninth inning, 0-0, zero to zero, I think it ended up being 4-3 to three, uh, was the final. Uh, then Florida beats them 24-4 to four in the second game, which was unbelievable. And then LSU comes back and beats them 18-4 to four, uh, in the third game. So uh, here's a fascinating uh, stat for you. Is the there was 15 games played at Omaha? I, I believe I'm right on that. I'm pretty sure, but I know for a fact there were 14 games where the uh, there was a total of 28 point differential. So if you had 14 games uh, and they, the total differential between the runs was 28 runs, so that that averages two runs a game. The, every game was within two runs average. The the last uh, the last three games the total was uh, thirty uh, I believe it was thirty yeah thirty six thirty six runs was differential total differential uh, twenty differential for Florida against LSU in the middle game one run in the uh, in the first game uh, advantage LSU and then fourteen runs. Uh, in the second game. In fact, if you look at the series, uh, Florida scored a total of uh, 24-27, um, 31 runs in those three games. LSU scored a total of 18, uh, what was it, uh, 4 was 22, uh, and 4 was 26. So LSU actually gets uh, outscored uh, in in the three games in total, uh, but um, it, fascinating, fascinating. Uh, I, I wish both those last two games. I say I wish they would have been closer. I'm really glad uh, they weren't. Um, you know because it it makes it less intriguing and, and uh, less nerves, right? So hey, I'm I'm glad that you joined us. I'm really excited about the podcast tonight. Uh, we do quite a bit of human interest and I would say even quasi-spiritual stuff on here. And we don't make any apologies for that, by the way. Uh, but we we do like sports and we like to delve into sports. But as I've told you before, I think sports teaches us so much. Uh, and, and I think tonight's uh, episode is a great lesson. We're going to be talking about the redemption of Pac-Man Jones. And uh, so that's a name that some of you older uh, fans will remember some of you younger fans are like, uh, who is that now? And uh, so there was a great article in the Athletic, and uh, it 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 
that's where I got the story from. Uh, and so I'm going to kind of reiterate it and then throw in some, uh, some, some things I think that can be pertinent to us here tonight. A little bit, of, not a little bit, uh, really sad news uh, came out of Florida today uh, that Ryan Mallett, the former uh, Arkansas player here, uh, I, I'm in Little Rock, or North Little Rock actually, uh, but it's the Little Rock metro area. And uh, so in the really the only team here, no offense to the Red Wolves of uh, Arkansas State or the Bears of uh, University of Central Arkansas and other, other smaller colleges, but the really only team in uh, Arkansas other than the Arkansas Travelers, which is a 2A uh, affiliate of the Angels, uh, uh, Major League Baseball um, uh, uh, affiliate is the Arkansas Razorbacks, and Ryan Mallett was the quarterback for the Mavericks, uh, Mavericks for the Razorbacks, went on to play for the New England Patriots. Uh, didn't have a, a really stellar uh, NFL career. Uh, was just actually hired as the head football coach at Whitehall High School, which is 20 minutes down the road between here and Pine Bluff, uh, affectionately known as Crime Bluff in our parts. Um and uh, so it's really, really a, a, a sad thing. I, I don't know anything about his family or, you know, if he had family. But I found it kind of ironic that you had Peyton Hillis uh, back in, I believe, what was it, January or February, that, I mean, all, I mean, did drown and they res- they resuscitated him. Uh, and then there you have uh, Ryan Mallett, who did not survive a similar, and again, I don't know any of the, circumstances but did not survive the uh, the incident that happened in the water so really really a, a sad thing and prayers uh, and thoughts goes to his family uh, both his immediate family and his of course uh, extended family and uh, all the fans of Arkansas that really uh, great talent great arm um, and uh, I, I think from all counts you know like any other kid he he had his moments, but I think all in all, he was a really a good a good kid, um, as far as I, everything I've heard. Uh, uh, so anyway, just just a, a really really sad thing. Um, uh, the NBA uh, the the kind of went the way we thought with the uh, lottery. I, I don't follow the NBA really at all, uh, and I really don't the uh, Major League Baseball until it gets to the playoffs. Same with basketball so uh i do follow the nfl which is by the way nfl is actually more popular than the than major league baseball and the nba combined uh which is uh it's pretty astounding but it's uh it it is what it is so uh we're only what 60 days from uh from uh, college uh, uh, football so uh Pretty exciting times. We all look forward to that. And, man, we're just glad to have you on the Red Pill Sports Podcast. Uh, and we are brought to you by RedRiverAuto.com and also MyPillow.com. And uh, use that promo code RED and get uh, special deals and go check them out. Also, we have a new sponsor tonight, and uh, it is Purpose Publishing. And uh, we'll be talking about Purpose Publishing here in a moment. It's a subject near and dear to my heart. And uh, so I'm looking forward to talking about that here in a little bit. Uh, we unveiled uh, last week on the Minute with the Goat a, a little different take, 
little different voice. We're still working on that. That's going to get better. Uh, have a new uh, Minute with the Goat that will be coming out later in the week. Uh, worked on it a little bit last night. And uh, it's uh, not quite where we want it, but we're getting there. And uh, so we'll be we'll have that for you as well. So let's get to tonight's episode, and it is the redemption of Pac-Man Jones. Now, for some of you that may not, that just simply don't know who Pac-Man Jones is, Pac-Man Jones uh, actually played at West Virginia, which I don't think I knew that. Um, but uh, Pac-Man Jones, if you were to ask anybody Pac-Man Jones, he was a great corner uh, cover a cover corner in the NFL. I believe he played. I want to say he played. Uh, uh, he was six. He was sixth overall draft pick. So he's phenomenally uh, talented. But what he's best remembered for is the, all the trouble they got in. Uh, suspension after suspension. Strip clubs. Uh, you know, uh, he he actually after uh, played with two NFL teams. Uh, Really, everybody was tired of his his mess, so he went to the CFL. The CFL decided he wasn't worth the uh, the headache. He ends up uh, back trying to catch on with the uh, with the NFL. And here's the thing: you can be a superstar in college, but when you get to the pros, everybody's a superstar. So you you got to bring your A game. You you cannot uh, mail it in. You cannot uh, you know. It's kind of like the difference between high school and college. You know, in high school, you could not study and and make you know B's and and occasional A's. But in college, you 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 can't do that. You you've actually got to study. You know, at least for the the tougher courses. So the NFL is like that, but even harder. Uh, from what I've been told, I certainly haven't experienced it personally. Uh, so. Pac-Man Jones, and, and by the way, this is Zach Kiefer. Great, Zach, great piece. Uh, and uh, it's actually titled How Pac-Man Jones, NFL Poster Boy for Bad Behavior, Stepped in for Fallen Teammates Family. Uh, so mine is, my title is simply, I'm just going to reiterate the article. I'll give you a few of my own observations. But check it out in The Athletic by uh, Zach uh Excuse me, Kiefer. And uh, so here we go. Uh, you got 2010. So I think it was, what, 20, uh, 2008, I believe, when Pac-Man was uh, Adam, Pac-Man Jones. Pac-Man was, he was named, uh, his mother nicknamed him Pac-Man because uh, he could change directions so quick as a little bitty kid. So I started calling him Pac-Man. And uh I don't know what was your favorite uh, video uh, arcade video game. I think mine was the things that dropped down and would you know they just get faster and faster and they would knock out the columns. Centipede. That that's what it was. I I love Centipede. But other than that, I'm not a video game player. I just don't get into it. Don't like it. Of course, I'm old. But my boys didn't play video games. Of course, I grew up you know playing playing outside and playing sports and. Uh, my boy's the same way, uh, but but boy, it's not the case nowadays. So you've got Adam and Pac-Man, Adam Pac-Man Jones uh, spent you know a few years uh, with a couple of teams uh, in the NFL, and uh, he finds himself uh, in 2010. Uh, you know the the CFL said we don't want you. The NFL said now he's 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 overweight and he's 
Uh, he's not in shape whatsoever. I spend all of his time, you know, uh, doing whatever he does. And, uh, and so he comes to Marvin Lewis and says, look, you know, I need another chance. And, and I really had a lot of, uh, a lot of respect, I always have for Marvin Lewis, but uh, this gave me even more, uh, you know, more uh, confidence or, or respect for him, rather. And, uh, and so we find him in, uh, what, five years later, uh, he is, he, he finds himself, I think 2003 maybe, so he's in the league maybe seven or eight years. I think he'd been in the league seven, uh, eight years. So it'd been 2010, so 2003 is when he was uh, actually drafted, if I'm not mistaken. He was 22, uh, 2003, 2002, something like that. And so he spends eight years in the league, has a decent, I mean, has a great career because he's a great corner, but he just couldn't stay out of trouble. In fact, uh, uh, in 2005, uh, he was, uh, uh, he, uh, like I say, he was the sixth player taken in the draft, and then he was he was suspended 22 of 28 games for repeated, uh, you know, violations and things. So he just, uh, you know, uh, he one one time was in a Las Vegas nightclub. There was a shooting. A man was paralyzed as a result of that shooting. Uh, he didn't serve any time or get. You know, get a, he did get arrested, but he was found innocent. But then it was a civil suit, cost him $11 million. So he had a lot, a lot of trouble. And he just, he seemed a little, maybe not quite as bizarre as Antonio Brown, but not not far off, um, definitely. Uh, I think he did have some bipolar, uh, had some anger issues, if I remember right. So, uh, so Marvin Lewis basically told him this was, what, seven or eight years after you know, and he'd really kind of burn every bridge in the CFL and the NFL. So Marvin Lewis said, look, I, I can't give you a workout. I want to, but I can't. But you get in shape, and we'll talk. And so that's what he did. He got in shape and literally played eight more years. Uh, didn't totally settle down as far as his rebellion and 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 his wild ways. Uh, but he, he did realize that he, he was a blessed man to be able to play in the NFL and that uh, if he didn't get a hold of himself, he was going to, uh, uh, he, he was definitely going to regret it down the road. So I think that right there in and of itself really speaks to, uh, and one other thing that I'll mention here earlier, I mean a little bit later, uh, that really speaks to his a deep character. Sometimes we don't always see a person, you know, they're maybe very flamboyant, they're very braggadocious, uh, maybe they're, uh, sullen, maybe they are silly, you know, whatever. And so you don't always see the real character beneath. And I think as, as this story unfolds and as I relayed to you uh, what uh, uh, Zach Kiefer wrote, I think you'll start to see a picture, as is the case in a lot of times with people. Uh, you know, you met somebody at a party, you met somebody at an event, you look across the room and you automatically size this person up as being arrogant or being unfriendly. Then once you meet the person, you're like, man, they're the nicest person in the world. Uh, this is much different than that in that Adam Pacman Jones was repeatedly in trouble, repeatedly in serious trouble, repeatedly doing things that were really, really ill-advised. Uh, and so this is not like looking across the room. This is like, you know, the evidence is right there. This guy's not not be, taking uh, his gifting as a, as a super talented NFL player very seriously. So 
uh, you know, he told me, you got to get in shape. Marvin Lewis did. Adam Pacman Jones said, you know what? Uh, I, I'm going to do it. And that's what he did. He, he worked and worked and gave himself uh, a chance. And sure enough, uh, he caught on, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he played another eight years in the NFL and and had some pretty good uh, uh, pretty good years. One of the other things that really speaks, I think, uh, and and at first you think, oh well, that's just you know, that's just one thing compared to all the bad things. But I think it speaks to something much bigger, and that was uh, Rich Rodriguez, who was his coach at West West Virginia, said this about uh, Pac-Man Jones. He said that guy pushed everybody. He was a relentless uh, force in practice. He pushed everybody. And I'm going to just tell you, I mean, not playing at near this level, but played enough sports and just life in general, someone that practices really, really hard, there's something special about them. There's, in, in a good way, there's, there's something really good about them. So, I, th- I think the lesson, again, we're, we're going to walk our way through this, and there's there's some really neat stuff here. But I think th- the lesson for us uh, can be, you know, don't don't judge a book necessarily by its cover. I mean, you, you, you judge him by his actions. So it wasn't really judging him. It was just, you know, observing what he was doing. But I think the challenge is how people that gave you a chance, that gave me a chance that looked beneath some of my faults, some of your faults, some of our shortcomings, and saw something maybe beyond that. So a Marvin Lewis, a Rich Rodriguez, uh, and, and that's what I love about football coaches. Most football coaches, you know, there's a few that's just in it for the money. They'll they'll leave a team, never blink an eye. Uh, and you can name some of those guys that are, you know, they kind of have a, honestly, they have a uh, reputation for not caring about their players and just caring about themselves. But generally, coaches generally love young men. They love, uh, you know, developing them. They love seeing them uh, become uh, from young uh, young men to becoming men. And so I think I think uh, Rich Rodriguez, uh, you know, he speaks really, really affectionately of Pac-Man Jones. And I think a lot of that is quite honestly that that work ethic and practice. You just can't replicate it. You, you, you can't bottle it. You can't teach it. Uh, it's a mentality. And, uh, and Pac-Man Jones obviously had it. So uh, Pac-Man Jones, when he came out of West Virginia, he wasn't there by himself, obviously. But there was a guy by the name of Chris Henry. And Chris Henry was from Louisiana, uh, 6'6", tall, uh, really string bean type of guy, super fast. Super hands, super great at tracking down a ball, uh, and that—that's a gift, uh, both for outfielders and for uh, for uh, for receivers, uh, and even some guys running out of the backfield. That you're able to track a ball. When we say track a ball, it means you're able to locate a ball that's supposed to be over your right shoulder. It's over your left shoulder, or directly over your head, and you just have a feel, and you're able to adjust and catch the ball. And Patman Jones said that Chris Henry just had this innate ability to track a ball. He just had, you know, he had what it took, and he was he had fat, he had speed, he had height. He was super slim. In fact, they called him Slim. That was his nickname. And they would really go at it and practice. Uh, Pac-Man would really push Chris Jones. Chris Jones, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Chris. Uh, 
uh, man, my mind just went blank. Uh, anyway, his his friend, and I'll I'll pull it back up here. Chris Henry, thank you. Uh, I uh, I could I still didn't find it, but it just happened to pop back in my noggin. Uh, but Chris Henry had a propensity not to practice very well, and Pat-Man Jones would just make him just furious and force him. And he was very quiet, very easygoing, wasn't a you know rah-rah guy. But Pat-Man Jones would really, really push him, uh, and he would take plays off, and Pat-Man Jones would just blister him. And uh, and so they became super tight. They were very competitive, but they came very became very tight, very close friends. So they end up in the NFL, and they both end up uh, on the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, uh, Chris Henry is in the NFL, I believe, for a couple of years uh, was when he was in uh, uh, he was in the NFL, and um, he uh, he was married and seemed to be doing really uh, well. Uh, and so he. Uh, he and his wife one night got into an argument and uh, he's uh, uh, they're having a lot of trouble and she's, she's going to leave and she jumps in his pickup, takes off. Well, he runs out, jumps in the back of the pickup. So it, it obviously had gotten pretty much out of control. Jumps out of the back of the pickup. She swerves or whatever. They, they don't believe she meant to or it was intentional. But he's standing up. I don't know uh, about his condition during that time. Uh, the story didn't go into that. Uh, but uh, bottom line is he flipped out of the truck, landed on his head, had a brain bleed. Uh, I think a day or two later he was gone. Well, they had three little kids, two boys and a girl. And the mother's obviously just totally devastated. Uh, Pac-Man Jones is you know, forever impacted over his uh, best friend, and now he's gone. There's these three little kids. So Patman Jones is kind of staying in touch with uh, Chris's wife, and uh, I guess the girl probably is from from the story. She's she's actually uh, seems to be adjusting. Of course, she's got her mother, and uh, boys uh, typically need their they need their mother and their dad, but dad is a really uh, major force in their life. I get a little sip of that carbonated water. It's good stuff. Sparkling water. Um, and so um, he um, he sees this and he sees these boys and he's like, man, look, I didn't have a dad to, to guide me. I didn't have anybody. And now Chris is gone. If Chris were here, he would be, he'd be guiding these boys. And I, I can't let these boys just, you know, uh, I can't let him just end up like I did. And he even makes the statement in the article that I just cannot watch them make the same mistakes that Chris and even I have made. And so he he starts talking to uh, to their mother, Lolini, and uh, and uh, and said, "I I want to help. I want to help with the boys." And so uh, so that that's exactly what he did. He he moved the two boys. I think the girls stayed with their mom. Uh, and I believe uh, Pac-Man already had uh, five kids of his own, if I'm not mistaken. So he moves the two boys to Cincinnati with him. Uh, he's no longer playing. Uh, he drives the boys back and forth to school, picks them up after practice, trains them in the off season. He's pushing these guys, and they're both phenomenal athletes. 
one of them six six one ninety. Pac-Man Jones had a spitting image of his dad. Uh, scouts and different ones are saying this kid's going to be a, you know, five-star wide receiver. Uh, his brother is. It looks like he's going to be a really, really great baseball uh, basketball prospect. He's like fifteen or fourteen or fifteen. He's already six-three, um, and so uh, Pac-Man is working these boys, getting them at five thirty in the morning, working them out, uh, and. Uh, the boy said that, you know, when he first, uh, Chris Jr. and, uh, let's see, I'm trying to see what the other young man's name is. Uh, but uh, Chris Jr. Uh, is 6'6", 190 pounds, uh, entering his sophomore year, and he's talks like his dad, acts like his dad. Uh, but Pac-Man said he's, he's actually better than his dad was. And he said, you know, I could hold my own with his dad in practice. He said, I can't keep up with this kid. Of course, he's, you know, he's on up in, in uh, years. But everybody's talked about it. Rich Rodriguez and others have said it's eerie how this kid is similar. But the point uh, of the story is that uh, that Pac-Man's taking these boys, taking them under his uh, Chris Jr. and DeMarcus is the other boy's name. And he's taking them under his wing. And, uh, you know, he's, he's really working with them and trying to, Trying to make mold and make them, uh, and and you know I thought about Pac-Man Jones. I thought you know probably what Pac-Man Jones won. He never had anyone to model that for him. Sometimes, uh, you know, dad, I, I'm a I'm a very good dad, and I, I don't mean that bragging. I, I feel like I'm a good dad because I had a great dad, and I had a great dad, and I, I'm a good dad. So you know. I got some work to do, so I, I definitely don't think I'm, you know, an all-star dad. But I, I think I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm above-average dad, um, and I take pride in that. I love it. I love my relationship with my three sons. Um, but, um, but Pac-Man Jones, you know, and a lot of people don't have that. Well, a lot of men, and you've seen this as well. A lot of men become great dads who didn't have a great dad because they, they have learned from what not to do. Uh, and then some guys replicate what their dad did, uh, who was a bad, you know, was not a good influence. And so they are much like their father because they, that's all they know. Uh, and then you have those who didn't have a dad, but they, you know, they figured out and say, look, you know, I didn't have a dad, uh, but I've, I've seen people that, you know, had good dads and, uh, you know, it's just, it really, it's it's probably a little bit of common sense, maybe, and uh, and so anyway, he it seems like he's really really trying. But I think the key here is, is that you have a guy that probably didn't have a lot of direction. Now he's got direction. Didn't have a lot of accountability. Now he's got accountability. Not people he's accountable to directly. More people accountable accountable to him. So he's the kind of guy that rises to the challenge. But he's never had anybody challenge him. Yeah, he had Rich Rodriguez. Yeah, he had Marvin Lewis as 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 authority figures in his life. But that's different than somebody who who loves you and and uh, really will tell you the truth and you know w- working with you. And so uh, I, I think it's you know uh, I, I think it's um, a, a powerful tale of of not judging uh, 
a, a wine, so to speak, before it's time. Allowing, you know, th there's a scripture in the Bible. And for you, those of you that are not scriptural and are, are spiritual and you don't listen to this podcast uh, for preaching, uh, I respect that. And I try not to preach at you. If I'm preaching to anybody, I'm preaching to me. But there is a scripture that says it, it doesn't yet appear what we will be. In other words, we're, we're, don't judge me right now. I'm still being formed. Don't judge me right now. I'm still developing. Yeah, I'm 62, but I'm I'm working every day to get better. I'm working every day to be a better husband, be a better father, uh, be, be a better Christian, be a better uh, son uh, and and friend or, or whatever it may be, pastor, uh, uh, podcast host. And so um, I, I think... So often we can pronounce judgment on people and say, man, he's just a thug. He's And we, we've had these conversations on here before, but Patman Jones is such a great illustration because no one saw this coming. So here's the question. The, the question is this, and, and from everything that I've read, you know, it's going really great. Uh, he's raising these boys. And I'm not, I'm not on here to say Patman Jones is this great, you know, moral Christian guy. I don't know anything about his life, so I'm not saying anything either way there. What I'm saying is there's something that speaks really highly that speaks well of a guy who all we know about him previously is trouble, strip clubs, uh, guns, and, uh, you know, uh, shooting off guns in bars and strip clubs and, uh, you know, speeding tickets and, and petty arrest and uh, whatever, uh, you know, trouble, uh, with with teammates and with uh, with coaches, but but man, you couldn't deny the guy's ability. But even more so, uh, you see this guy after football, and he's taken on. I don't know how many of you in in, in the audience, and I'm, I I include myself in that, would would take on two people's grown kids. I don't I don't know many people that would do that. Now, there's a lot of people that adopt kids, a lot of people that, you know, uh, foster parents, and I salute you. But I think that's that, that's relatively rare, you know, relatively. And I think it's very, very commendable. Uh, and I'm not sure that I'm geared to do that. Uh, I, and I don't know that you're geared to do that. But I know who is and who was, and that's Pac-Man Jones. So... No, I've never shot up a strip club, never been in a strip club. I've not, uh, you know, had a lot of the problems that Pac-Man Jones has had, but neither have I taken a fallen friends to teenage kids, added them to all of my kids, and raised them as my own. So uh, I, th I think there's a great lesson there. I think there's a great lesson for us uh, that, uh, you know, uh, the, never give up hope. It, it really goes back to it's not just about, and we talk about this a lot, about you, you know, keep keeping on. If you're trying to lose that weight, keep keeping on. If you're trying to, you know, get your diabetes in control, keep keeping on. Listen, I, I weighed way too, I, I was really slim and really great shape, ran, you know, 40 miles a week, which is not a ton, but that was a ton for me. Uh, I was in optimum shape, played a lot of ball and stuff. And then I find myself, you know, uh, get hit my 50s, late 40s, early 50s. And man, I'm doing nothing. 
I'm way overweight. And and I just, you know, after 10 or 15 years, said, well, this is just, this is going to be me. It's how it's going to. And then I started watching these YouTube videos of a, a guy named Dr. Eric Berg, B-E-R-G, and talking about intermittent fasting, talking about keto, which I'd done keto before and lost some weight. Uh, but man, total different mindset, total different mentality, not just not eating carbs, but trying to eat really well, not just eating tons of greasy meat and cheese and all that, but trying to eat real, uh, low carbs, but really good, healthy stuff. And, you know, I, I'm wearing clothes I hadn't worn in years, uh, or in, yeah, in, in years, uh, and, and feeling really good, but I got a lot of work to do. Uh, but, but the whole point of that is there's probably people look at me and say, man, you know, he, he, he gained weight later in life and that's just, that's who he's going to be. But, but only if we decide, you know, you're only going to be where you are in your situation. If you decide that's where you're going to be, but if you decide that's not where you're going to be and you start taking steps, maybe baby steps, but you start taking steps, you can get out of your situation. You may be in credit card debt that is uh, that you would be embarrassed if anybody knew. Uh, but I guarantee you, if you A, start building a plan, B, start watching and, and learning from people uh, that has been where you, they've been where you've been and they've gotten out of it, um, and, and you work really hard and you don't quit, you can, you can get out of that debt. And, and whatever it is, you fill in the blank, whether it's your degree or whether it's, uh, listen, I've got a really good friend right now that's about to graduate in a couple of months. She's 76 years of age, and she's getting ready to get her doctorate. So what am I saying? I'm saying uh, don't give up on yourself, A, because we don't, want, we don't ever want to give up on ourselves, and we certainly don't want other people to give up on us, but uh, let Pac-Man Jones be uh, an example or be an inspiration to us, not only to not give up on ourselves and not only uh, want people not to give up on us, but also... For us not to give up on other people. And man, that's probably the hardest thing. See, because I know what I'm thinking. I know I'm thinking, man, I'm going to eat better. I, I know I'm looking at that, you know, suit or I'm looking at that pair of pants or I'm looking at that shirt and go, man, one of these days I'm going to wear that. And there's a little voice that says, no, you're not. You're never going to wear that again. Those days are behind you. But but you keep it and you say, you know what? I, I'm going to I'm gonna keep on. I'm going to keep on. So we can do that for ourselves. And we can do that in, in hey, like, like Pac-Man Jones did to Marvin Lewis. Man, don't give up on me. Give me another chance. So it, it's easier for us to maybe not give up on ourselves, and maybe not to, or maybe encourage other people not to give up on us. Uh, and I wonder sometimes if we are really quick to write people off. And, and I'm talking to myself today. I, I dealt with two homeless people, which I deal with a lot of homeless people in my uh, you know, in, in, in a pastor in a church, uh, and I also run a nonprofit. So uh, Robin and I, our engineer here, runs a nonprofit. And we deal with a lot of homeless people. And I had a guy this week, and, and I told him, I said, look, man, I'm not giving you any more money. You, you got to get a hold of yourself. You, you got to help yourself now. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not throwing any money down the hole because he was buying drugs with it. And, uh, you know, but I need to find him again. I need to tell him. But I'm not giving up. I'm not. I'm not helping you right now. But I'm not giving up on you. 
And I think he needs to know that. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know, maybe with Pac-Man Jones and his work ethic in practice, maybe it was just age, maybe he just had to get there. And, and so here's the prayer. And again, I'm not trying to impose my morality, impose my uh, beliefs on Pac-Man Jones, but I don't, I don't want him just to get it right and be a good guy that's not a troublemaker. I, I think for him, for you, for me, there's so much more. And I think the redemption of Pac-Man Jones, and let's call it let's call it the redemption of Pac-Man Jones, because I definitely bel- look at him differently than I ever have. Every time you said Pac-Man Jones, I thought, oh yeah, that was guy was a thug. Played for the Cowboys, played for the Titans, played for the Bengals, and one other team I can't remember now. But uh, you know, troublemaker, thug. And now when I think of him, I don't think of him as a thug. I think of him as a guy that took uh, took in his best friend's two boys and is raising them the way that he thinks his best friend would have raised them. I think that's pretty good stuff. The redemption of Pac-Man Jones. Uh, don't forget, we were brought to you uh, today by uh, MyPillow.com and uh, use that promo code RED for Red Pill Sports. And then RedRiverAuto.com. Check them out. Greatest car dealership in the world, hands down. And then Purpose Publishing. This is a project that uh, Rob and I uh, started uh, a couple of three years ago. It started with a book that I had written and uh, did did quite well. It was a very specialized book for a specialized purpose. Uh, If we have any pastors that listen, it's called Dear Mom and Dad. It's a baby dedication book written specifically for uh, pastors or churches uh, to give out to parents on baby, baby dedication. So it's very specialized. I've got some other specialized books that I've written. Uh, and then we started saying, hey, look, if we do this for my book, let's do it for somebody else. And we got another one, we got another one, we got another one. We got our first one, then we got another one, another one, another one. We just finished uh, one book, uh, and man, the people are just so excited about it. Uh, then we have uh, one, two, three, four, uh, four for sure that are right on the table right now uh, in different stages to be published. So if, if you've dreamed of, of uh, writing a book and we will help with everything from ghost writing to all the copy editing and all the editing, the cover design, uh, we'll get the book totally and completely, the manuscript and the cover everything totally completed and uploaded to Amazon KDP and then all the other ebook outlets and get it ready for publishing. Now you will pay for the publishing of a print book, a, a hard copy book separate. Uh, and we'll, we'll help you with all that. We'll, we'll walk through it with you. I've been doing that with one of our authors today. Uh, and, uh, we're getting ready to publish, which is real exciting. We have two authors that we, uh, have printed multiple books for. That's always a, a great sign. So if you're interested, just drop me a line at copeland.donnie at gmail.com. That's copeland.donnie at gmail.com or a message at Twitter at Donnie Copeland, Truth Social at Donnie Copeland. Uh, you can hit me up on Facebook at uh, My Red Pill, at Red Pill Sports or Twitter at My Red Pill Sports. Uh, but find one of those ways, get a hold of me. We'll send you uh, our pricing. Uh, it's very reasonable, $1,500. I'll just tell you it's $1,500. Uh, 
and we got you totally. That's your, your book is on the Amazon for $1,500 and you pay $500 up front, $500 at the halfway point or two thirds of the way through and then 500 when the book is uploaded. If you need longer, you want to stretch it out. We're here to make your dream come true. Uh, there's nothing that excites us more than seeing your idea uh, come to print. Uh, we'll not only help you get your book in ebook or in, in, in physical copy, We'll also help you. We're working right now with uh, another one of our authors to get them uh, uh, an audio book. So uh, we help with merch and, 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 and those things. So uh, Purpose Publishing, you can find us at Purpose Publishing on Facebook. We do have a, uh, we do have a, a website that is coming and uh, looking forward to that. But I thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of the Red Pill Sports uh, podcast it means the world to us uh, that you would take your time and that you would listen and uh, I look forward to you uh, being with us uh, next week and uh, be listening for a minute with a goat we should be dropping that on Thursday or Friday and uh, hope to talk to you soon and you take care of yourself bye bye The Doc Washburn Show family of podcasts, a Yetcher Media Company.